Aaron Henry avenges MSU football against Rutgers while turning the ball over as frequently as Rocky Lombardi. And then, there was Purdue. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, of course, by my co-host and Antifa plant, Kevin Greck, and my other co-host, who invented the Viking helmet, face paint, shirtless idiot look, thank you very much, Alex Plum. Greckers, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm good. I've got, uh, yeah, I've got the speaker's lectern here in my, uh, oh my gosh. in my office, so uh, I got a little, uh, yeah, it's. I'm gonna find a nice place for it. We're gonna pair it with uh, with a nice plant or something like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's been uh, it's been an eventful week for me. Uh, Plum, how are you doing, man? Could you guys hear me over the fucking helmet? This helmet is so cumbersome and hard to navigate around. It's really confusing. God, we're gonna have to bleep him in the first few minutes. You know, um, it's been a tough week. Just lay off. Let the f's go. Yeah, let him go. There was an insurrection against the United States government this week. Thank you. So I I think we can handle as a society one or two Fs. Fs. <laughs> yeah, we, we are, uh, I guess, chuckling about it right now. I don't know at this point in time what you're supposed to do other than laugh or cry. You have your choices. Um, but obviously it was uh, a difficult week that I think we were all – uh, at least the three of us felt alarmed, scared, sad, angry, uh, no good emotions um, this week. And here we are going to talk about some sports, but it felt but, a little bit silly to not acknowledge that. And also let's acknowledge, since this is a Michigan State podcast, Michigan State, three congressmen from the Great Lakes State voted not to certify the election uh, as well, even though. They can bring forward no evidence that there was any impropriety during the election. And everything in a court of law has indicated that the election was run just fine. Um, three congressmen. Yeah, let's three let's let's just name them. Let's just name them. Representatives Lisa McLean, Republican from Bruce Township, Jack Bergman, representative from Watersmeet, Republican from Watersmeet, and Tim Wahlberg, Republican from Tipton. All three are treasonous bastards, traitors to the United States of America, insurrectionists, seditionists. They have debased themselves and all who have voted for them. They are um, absolutely immoral, despotic demagogues in waiting. They are kowtowers to the most immoral and damaging president, the worst president, the worst individual who's ever served the presidency of the United States of America. They should be ashamed of themselves like every Republican who conscienced uh, signing on to that last-ditch effort to overturn the election by fiat. Um, it is inexplicable how individuals who took an oath to preserve and protect and defend the Constitution of the United States could humiliate themselves and render themselves so absolutely impotent to, uh, to work that should be done on, on behalf of and in service to their compatriots. Shame, shame, and fuck you guys. Yeah, so Plum and I are uh, residents of the state, and I think we're both going to remember and take a very active interest in the next congressional uh, election. Hell, I might become a Republican just so I can vote in a primary against these asshats. Yep, 
I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I know Tim Wahlberg's district fairly well. Uh, so I think it's going to be difficult for a Democrat to uh, to win that one. And in fact, the Democrat that has lost that election is the same the last two times. It's just they can't find anyone for it. So <laughs> let's find a Republican to primary Tim Wahlberg and get him out of there. And I'm going to uh, learn some other things. I'm, I'm going to learn about those other two congressional districts. Something has to, it cannot be. No, we cannot abide this. Yep, that cannot, it abide. cannot be abided. Absolutely, and it is the responsibility of every single state to root out the rot that exists in their congressional delegations. We know ours. Uh, Mike is a uh, resident of the great state of New Jersey. I'm sure you will find kindred spirits who can help root root out the rot in yours. Um, working together, we will. We will. Uh, you know, do our part. I hope. Um, because this, you're absolutely right, Greg. This cannot stand. Uh, I'm remembering Raymond asked us what it would take for us to go political. That's it. Apparently, this <laughs> yeah. is it. I I would argue though this isn't political. I, that's this right. Patri- Thank you. This, this is patriotic. This is yeah. patriotic because frankly there are enough. I mean, even Fred Upton. Hell, even I mean, and they they debase themselves by meeting with the president. But even Lee Chatfield and Mike Shirky, who are about as dyed in the wool conservative Republican as you can get, wouldn't sign on to this bullshit. So, I mean, let's just be explicit. This isn't political. This transcends politics because there are good Republicans and there are good Democrats on both sides who absolutely, absolutely did everything they could. Uh, Even Mitch McConnell. Could you imagine me defending Mitch McConnell? My God. Yeah. Well, I mean— he he has his place in how we got here. Though, fine, fine, sure. fine. But it, it, in the in the in the final analysis, sure, yes, yes. Um, but uh, to your point, it, it is it, there. There is no choice but to meet these things head on. Yes, uh, these are unforgivable sins and do not deserve a notion of an olive branch. A no. welcome back to the club. We can be friends. Um, people people voted in this country, and a lot of people voted in ways that we would have maybe tried to persuade them otherwise. But either way, the vote was uh, duly held, uh, legal, and counted, and people tried to overturn the very foundation of this country. And they they deserve no solace, no comfort um, whatsoever. And there, I think we can cap our our political tirade and get to sports. Great. Great. We solved it. We did it. (laughs) Um, So, yes, uh, that's acknowledging that this week was not really about sports, but we will get into something that hurt. Maybe not quite the same, but we'll get there. Uh, In the meantime, we can ask a very quick favor. If you can please uh, share the pod with Spartans in your life. Uh, Follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And of course, Please, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. We really genuinely do appreciate those who go and take the time to just write a couple words about the show. Um, Greg, tell the folks. No, you know what? Plum, you're back. You're rusty. You missed last week. Wow. Homework's due. Pop quiz. What's in the show this wow, week? Wow, rusty. 
hurtful. Uh, guys, per usual, we start with the green wall, where in most days, football leads, but not this week, not after some hysterical performances at Rutgers and against Purdue. Yeehaw. Of course, never fear, we will get to football, talking about transfers and some other movement that's happening and how this team is shaping up for a, what is, I'm sure, going to promise to be a beautiful fall of 2021. We'll head off Grand River, where we will talk about other sports across the NCAA and the connection. We've got some real juicy details, some meat around what's in this Harbaugh deal, and I think you will find it equally hysterical. Uh, then we're going to preview what's up uh, basketball. We're uh, we're looking at Iowa this week and in Diana. So some uh, players to watch, some numbers. Uh, obviously, people care, I guess, about Kempom. Don't fully understand why, but we'll talk about that. And then Bad we'll take. wrap things up with your Twitter questions. The faithful always come and give us some good meat to chew on. And so we are going to give you some of our time back. And that is the pod, gentlemen. Wonderful. Um, so let's dive right in here and start with basketball behind the green wall. And um, look, it, you know, it's tough because we just played a game that was a big time stinker against Purdue. But let's let's start. Yeah, go back. Go back into that week ago energy. Remember yeah. how we felt after the Rutgers win? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, MSU hosts Rutgers uh, and takes it home 68 to 45. Uh, Rutgers entered the game on fire from behind the arc. You know, you'll recall us talking about that last week in our preview, but Michigan State held them uh, three for 12. Um, MSU uh, defended, rebounded, ran the ball, uh, and scored 15 points on the fast break. However, <laughs> that pesky turnover bug uh, continued to stick with Michigan State with 18 turnovers, resulting in over 40% of Rutgers points. Um, all the same, you know, high, high level view, it was an encouraging victory, an authoritative win um, that they, they had the gas on from the jump and did not stop. Um, Greg, what was something you took out of the game? Well, first, I have to acknowledge that this was not an expected outcome for me uh, by any means. But my take from from that game was that we were starting to see some of the potential that we believe there might have been from the beginning. Uh, Josh Langford was really starting to come alive in that game, uh, starting to get more energy out of him, starting to go a little bit quicker. Um you know, we saw Aaron Henry kind of become the guy that we thought he could be, you know, had 20 points in that game um, on really good shooting, eight for 13 shooting uh, and eight boards as well. So that was sort of the game where I checked myself and I thought, man, maybe I was too pessimistic after the last, you know, after the Big Ten games that had been played so far. Um, maybe this team can do something because that Rutgers team is legit. There are guys on that team um, and, and they got trounced. I mean, holding any team, much, much yeah. less a ranked team to 45 points is an accomplishment. Um, but then it, we didn't keep, you know, didn't keep that energy. What did you think, Plum? Um, you know, hot take here. No surprise. Things tend to work great when the team gels and the guys get to basics. I mean, I don't know why I have to say that out loud, but this felt to me like an actual sort of a, a, a pillar, a, a Tom Izzo performance, which is 
we're getting back to what Tom Izzo coaches, right? Rebounding. You had well, Hauser had 14 boards, I think, yeah. on the game. Yeah. Sh- yep. Block shots. Uh, these guys were, I mean, just improved shooting. You talk, You just mentioned shooting, Greg. Um, Hoggard was amazing, I thought, at the point. Putting the ball everywhere it needed to be. Absolutely unselfish play. Um, I think they racked up 16 assists against Rutgers. For me, this is what a Michigan State basketball program looks like, where you don't have only one player that's continuing to rise to the front. Obviously, we'll talk about what that looked like with Purdue and Travion Williams, but I think what we saw in this Rutgers game was the the entire team stepping up equally. And I think if there's one person that I wanted to just name specifically, it's Kithier. Um, he has uh, not wowed any of us. He's in fact, I think the only person he continues to wow, um, apart from maybe his parents, is Tom Izzo. He, because he plays reliable basketball. He plays reliable defense. He is he's just your blue collar, hardworking um, basketball player who is who is I think the epitome of what Tom Izzo looks to build for all of his teams. This game was a kiffier game in terms of everyone stepping up and playing a specific role. You didn't need to be spectacular. You didn't need to be flashy. You just had to play basic basketball. And when this team does it, they are not stoppable. And you saw that today, or you saw that, I should say, against Rutgers. Yeah, to to your point about this being an MSU performance, uh, they were plus 20 on the boards against Rutgers and got 15 fast fast point uh, break points, which is not a ton in terms of the fast break, but it is a lot more than that team was getting in the previous weeks. So yeah. Jonesy, what about you? Uh, I, I mean, I would also just add it to, to Plum's point, uh, 16 assists on 23 made buckets. Uh, so, you know, percentage wise at a, at a pretty decent clip there, I, you know, as I said, it's, you know, the whole Michigan state identity identity is defend rebound and run. And um, you, you saw much more of that. I, Aaron Henry continued uh, stellar performances. He had 20 points, four blocks, two steals, eight rebounds, one assist, four turnovers. Um, but, uh, you know, shot two for four from behind the arc. So it, it you started to continue to see that evolution of, of Aaron Henry getting some consistency out of him. Something that I thought was interesting in that particular game, though, um, was Joey Hauser, who ended with a... Uh, quiet point night, but 14 boards. I, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but I saw a lot more of Hauser slashing in that game than I think I've seen before. It doesn't seem to come quite naturally to him. No, no. (laughs) I think he's most comfortable as a spot shooter or, uh, or on the block, which they haven't done a ton of with him. He's got some post moves. So, uh, you know, Tom is out for a, Last week and again this week after the the Purdue loss um, has mentioned that, you know, figuring out Joey is sort of his next project. That that in this game to me, you know, his Hauser's identity has been boards at this point in time. I mean, he's he's gone off a couple nights um, in terms of shooting. But to me, that's a, a piece of the game that they still seem to be playing with. and um was was sort of a, a all right you guys seem to just be messing around with him kind of a thing um mm-hmm. i did though i was encouraged by how fast we were playing and and i i thought that if msu could keep that tempo up 
in future games, or at least try and, you know, not everyone's going to let you, but if you can push as often as possible, we will start seeing a reduction in turnovers because the team will become more accustomed to knowing where everyone's going to be on the break while we're pushing. And so the, the, you know, it helps when you win, but the turnovers were a bit forgivable. Um, but you had, you know, if we kept playing that way. So it looked like a classic MSU game. It was great. Yep. And then Purdue. <laughs> uh, so the other day, uh, MSU loses in a real uh, kick in the gut, uh, 55 to 54. Um, in a game that I think more than anything uh, is a game of two halves. Uh, MSU shot 52% from the field in the first half. And the second half, they shot 22%, including a nearly 12-minute drought without a basket, including about 10 turnovers in that period, um, ultimately blowing a 15-point lead that they had at the half. Uh, in the postgame, Izzo was a- exasperated at a loss for words. MSU was out-rebounded by seven with 16 offensive boards for Purdue um, and uh, missing some clutch free throws down the road. Uh there's a lot to dissect in this game, but Plum, what what was your key takeaway about this loss? Uh, I don't. I frankly, I don't really know where to begin. Um, I thought that I just it was it was painful on about every level that it could be, um, and then on every level that it probably could be. I think for me, um, the biggest issue is the rotation. Izzo has lost his god damned mind the uh, i mean just go through the numbers i mean henry played for 30 minutes house red 23 kithier was eight you had hoggard at 26 but then and then bingham had 10 in the first half and then basically doesn't play again marble had eight sissoko had eight brown had six everybody had minutes in this game why didn't he put in stevie he, he tried to give the towel boy minutes this is unreasonable at this point, he th- this this loss is on Tom Izzo, and I, 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 if I have to listen to one more post game where Izzo sort of glum, d- trying to blame this way. At one point, he caught himself. At one point in his press conference, you know they were kind of like, "Hey, Coach Bingham was doing a hell of a job in the first half, and then you didn't play him. What's up with that?" Izzo turns around and says, "Well, you know." Wasn't last week before you guys were out here asking me, had my head on the chopping block when I played him at all. And, you know, and then he was like, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't have, I know I shouldn't have said that. I know that's not what you meant. I'm just, I'm feeling, feeling in my feels about it. You know, Izzo's got a lot of blame. He's, he's not happy with, with uh, Joey Hauser or with Josh uh, Langford's uh, shot selections. Okay, fine. But guess what? Their shot selections don't explain exactly why we lost here. I mean, this is, it, it's all part of the bigger piece, but, but Tom Izzo, failed to coach this team and this is not his first but this was definitely a singularly unique and frustrating another coaching failure on Izzo from his inability and unwillingness to create a lineup to gel and to create it's okay if you're going to bench guys and you're just not going to get the minutes but spreading it around like this he let Travion Williams absolutely destroy Joey Hauser and just left him out there to dry in the second half did nothing. If you and your staff cannot identify the systemic failures in the positions, like what was obvious to any commentator, including me, and I'm blind in one eye and don't know anything about basketball, you have 
to do better. Williams, 24 points in the second half. You, that is on Tom Izzo. That is on Tom Izzo. And without those points, without even giving the kid 20 points, we still win that game. So it's infuriating to me. But please, Greg, give, give me some semblance of something. I don't know. My God. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. This is a game that, that Let's, before we that move to Greg, lost. Can yeah, we, can we, I, I think we should dial in on Plum's point about the five, right? Like, can we t- spend a second on that? I don't know if you were going to move to that, Greg, but like. It, I mean, there's still not a solution at the five. But so it, it seems to me, though, that that if if Mark D'Antonio, if he could just <laughs> channel his inner Mark D'Antonio and say, I'm going to ride the hot hand. Right. Like, and, and I know Izzo said at the end, he want you know, that they're a pretty good three point shooting team. And so he wanted to have defenders out there, but it doesn't, to Plum's point, it doesn't make any sense. Trayvon Williams was feasting and, and in fairness, look, they held him to 55 points. It's not like yeah. we were terrible defensively. No. And, but, but not having, when you trot out a first half lineup that after your starters get off the, uh, get off the court, when you start having rim protection in there and Hey, lo and behold, it's doing something. And then you, you walk away from that. Like it is insane. Yeah. So there, there's still not a solution at the five is the problem. So Bingham was having difficulty scoring, you know? Um, and then, so then you think, well, maybe I can put Hauser in there. Maybe he can do about the same thing as Bingham. I know Bingham had a couple blocks, three blocks. People are excited about that. Three blocks in like two minutes. Yeah. Uh, But Sissoko didn't have any blocks. Did Sissoko do anything in his eight minutes? Um, He he had one putback and one rebound in eight minutes. And two turnovers. And two turnovers. The problem is that we still don't have a solution at the five. Uh, And that... Henry kind of disappeared in this game. 30 minutes, eight shot attempts, including the the one right at the end of the game. Um, Gabe Brown is in the game for six minutes, doesn't attempt a shot. What are you for, Gabe? What yeah. are you but for? See, if but this isn't on Gabe Brown. I mean, sure, it's, it's, their, their poor performances are on all of them, but Gabe Brown, no one can argue that Gabe Brown should have played a single minute in this game. It is inexplicable why he even had one minute, let alone six. Gabe Brown? I've, I would have thought Gabe Brown would be in no, the rotation. No. Hold on. But hold, Greg, I want to go back to something you said, though, because I think it, it Bingham, which, look, I when he even saw the court, sniffed the court for a second in the Rutgers game, I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? But so you have Sissoko, who it, either way, both of their length, lengths change the literal dynamic on the floor. They are alterers of shots, if not shot blockers. Um, Sissoko is able to body up against Travion and at least give him problems. Mm-hmm. Marble saw eight minutes. We didn't even talk about the fact that Marble was a did not play coach's decision at Rutgers. Like, yeah. and I, I'm just, I, I, you, you are both right. I think that there's not a solution to the five. And I will also say wrong in that the, it, he clear, Tom Izzo clearly made the wrong decision in this game. That, Which was that, the right decision in your estimation then? That, that probably I would have had, um, I probably would have put Bingham out there at the end. 
Because Bingham can at least shoot the free throw. Bingham should have been allowed to start the second half. Bingham should have been, been, Bingham should have gotten at least 10 more minutes in the second half. I understand he wasn't scoring, but Gabe Brown doesn't score. Gabe Brown had four minutes against Rutgers in in what was basically a runaway for us. Kid played 16 minutes against Rutgers and scored four points. Why is he out there? Well, levels. (laughs) (laughs) Plum wants Gabe Brown to transfer. No, no, I don't. Gabe Brown's Because if Gabe Brown could prove his mettle, I wouldn't get... I don't don't have anything personal against any of these guys. I love them all. They're Michigan State Spartans. It's wonderful. It is inexplicable. Time is... It's like he's gasping for straws. Are you... Did you forget how to coach? Did you forget what... Do you... And, you know, I was struck in the postgame when Izzo said something like... um, I, I told you guys it was going to be the middle of January before we figured this out. Like, oh, so the, all of this is just a game? So you, you've given yourself permission to just screw all with anything in terms of the lineup, in terms of the rotation, in terms of just divvying out minutes like it's popcorn because you told us you, you were going to figure it out in the middle of January? And what, is Henry going to become consistent in the middle of January? Is Langford going to start making threes in the middle of January? Is Gabe Brown going to enter the transfer portal in the middle of January? Like, what's going to happen? In the middle of January, Tom. So I, it just, I, I, you know, that's, it's fine. I can take it on a Gabe Brown. That's unfair. I know. But I'm just, it's, it's just, it's so infuriating. Greg. You I mean, these moments it. happen in every season. And then Tom Izzo spins a final four <laughs> out of a team. It like ain't going to happen this so, year. Well, I mean, there, he's there have done it been before. years where I've said that about teams and he didn't, and he got yeah. to the final four. Last season at one point, I think I said, there goes the Big Ten Championship at around yeah. this time. And how much there was a banner in the rafters at the end of the year. So I'm not ready to give up on Tom Izzo yet. No, uh, no. And and I think I in fairness, I think we should say as a pod, because there's a lot of people saying that, you know, the game is past Izzo no, by I wouldn't make that point. No, right. This is, no, yeah, Tom Izzo knows a lot more about basketball and is still very much in the game of basketball than any one of us or any of you yahoos on Twitter. But it, it is fair to also be a little confused. like, dude, dude. <laughs> I also want to put as long as I'm in, you know, the mode of uh, of uh, uh, of uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, defending the staff. Sure. Uh, those people talking about DJ. Stevens and uh, Dame Fife. I don't think you actually know what their contributions are to the team and what's expected of them and what kind of uh, decisions Agreed. they make. Agreed completely. I don't think you. Yeah. I don't think you know. I think maybe you read the Athletic and yeah. uh, you think you might have an idea, but I don't think you yeah. actually. Because Brendan, because Brendan Quinn doesn't have an idea either. Yeah, here, here. So, I don't know. I, I just. I've seen this play out. So, and Plum, you're welcome to be upset about this game. MSU absolutely lost it. Uh, I think what happened basically is MSU stagnated on offense for long enough that Purdue was able to get lucky and ma- manufacture a win. And they did get lucky in this yeah, win, by the, the way. the refs helped them, yes. Yes, we haven't touched on that. And also a man who shoots 50% from the line hit all of his free throws. So yeah, no, Purdue I, had... I mean, Purdue shot 12% from three on 24 attempts. They had no business winning this game. So they just happened to be in the position and they took advantage of it. Um, But I've seen this happen so many times. I just can't 
Maybe I'm a bad podcaster because I just can't. No, that's good. I mean, I think we need to be balanced. But let me ask you this question then. Okay, because I I want you to be right. Mm -hmm. I absolutely want you to be right. But let's be explicit here. Mm -hmm. The thing that last year's team had that this team, this year's team absolutely doesn't have and doesn't have in spades is, is, well, it's a lot, lot. (laughs) but is, is a core, is a core leadership identity. Who is the single player? Because you can look back on, on years past, the years when Izzo pulls it out, you get banners hanging from the rafter and they make the big dance. And every year you can point to at least one player who is the the intrinsic motivational leadership force. We know who it was last year, and this year, tell me, who is it? It needs to be Henry. And if you look at the box score, it's obvious that it needs to be Henry, and it's obvious that the staff wants it to be Henry. He played the most minutes of the whole team, and he took the last shot of the game when that was the make-or-break shot. But it's not who Aaron Henry is as a player. And And that's not not just going to change by magic. So... This team is going to struggle. This team is not going to. I mean, I I know I've said that Tom Izzo has taken teams like this and gone to the Final Four. That seems extraordinarily unlikely at this point. But it doesn't mean that Tom Izzo, the game is passed him by, or you know who should be fired from the staff. I will say it is concerning. I think this team is less than the sum of its parts right now. Yes. Maybe that will change once the rotation, you know, thins kind of oh, yeah. thins no, out that's just, a little bit. That's going to happen next, next week. Games. It'll happen just next week. Yeah, next week. He'll just he's just going to. So, I, I here's here's the thing for me is that at this point in time, you know, it, what was clear, what Purdue did that I thought was very smart is that they when the starting lineup was out there, they doubled Henry. Every single time he touched the ball, he got doubled. And that is very much a reflection, I think, on the number of points he ended up with, which was 13 in this game. Yeah, I mean, he only took eight attempts or no. Oh, yeah, he took 11 attempts. Pardon me. Um, You get Hauser going or heck, you know, Hogard only took three shots and they weren't bad shots. Yeah. I mean, he just missed them. But, you know, if Hogard's able to start you know, being a bit of a shooter, I'm I'm saying he's going to be a shooter in the, you know, sort of capital A, capital S. But, you know, if he can, he can be a bit more reliable shooting the ball. If Hauser does get going and they find a way for him and Henry to work together, because, and Hogard is the key in, in, it's, it's a very much a triangle in this situation. Like, you know, Hogard and, and, and Hauser have a thing that they certainly can develop together. But if, if there's a way to get that all working, then you can't double Henry yeah. anymore. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so to me, you know, it, it, I look, I'm, I'm obviously willing to give Izzo the benefit of the doubt, but there, there is, we know the, the talent that Hauser has, and it clearly has not been quite folded into the game. I do think though, that with Hogard in, they've now figured out Henry. Henry, these last three games has looked even in a in a what we would consider maybe a not great performance. He was still a dominant force in this game, and so I, you know, if you figure out Hauser, I think this team has a chance to really turn around. But right. let's. I do want to say this because it's worth mentioning that um, we are currently Ken Palm forty four. And that is uh, uh, up eight after the Rutgers win. 
which I think we were up to 40 after the Rutgers win and dropped another dropped to 44 after the loss to Purdue. Um, 48th in defense in Ken Palm, which they entered the Rutgers game at 80th. So, so what we've been seeing on defense though, at least through two, these past two games is real. And that's, that's meaningful. So I take that. Um, Anyway, I, I do want to spend one more second on something basketball related, which is about the classes of 2021 and 2022, because mm-hmm. it is uh, everyone who uh, enjoys college basketball likes to pretend that the year they're playing mm-hmm. it does not exist and that we're going to look forward to next year. Um, I have some worries because someone that we, we say we call out every time that we didn't talk about is Malik Hall. Mm-hmm. And Malik Hall has continued to play excellent basketball. Yeah. Um, everything that we say about Thomas Kithier as being like, oh, he's always in the right spot, blah, 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 blah. That is actually Malik Hall, and he's doing it very well. Um, but you look at who's coming in next year, and if Hauser stays, I have questions. I, I'm worried about losing Hall. I'm worried he's a guy who doesn't find a spot. As a senior? Uh, or how does it work? This he's year a, with the he's a, well, he's technically it's a free year, and wouldn't he be a right. junior? So he'd continue. He would be. He'd be a redshirt junior. Yeah, he'd be a redshirt junior next year. Um, if Hauser stays, you know, okay. he could. He'd certainly be playing the three. He'd be fighting with potentially Henry, probably not, but potentially Henry, potentially Gabe, um, and he also would if Amani Bates reclassifies. He's fighting with Amani. Here's what I'll say. Uh, he's averaging 20 minutes a game. I mean, he's getting PT at this point. Uh, maybe it's possible he looks around and he decides to walk. Uh, he's not, I think, the first place that I would look, though, for something like that to happen. Oh, no, he's just the one that I'm, like, most worried I'm, that that I would be saddest to see go. Okay. So, yeah, um, I just I I'm I'm worried that particularly if Amani reclassifies and, you know, because you're going to have at the five potentially in in 2022 anyway, when he would be a senior, you'd have Boachi and uh, Sissoko there. Mm -hmm. And so you're not you're probably not playing small ball if Hauser's still around. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Speaking of Amani, I heard that Ipsy Prep was on the TV this week and that that team looks like pure garbage. Basically. Yeah. So there's a lot. I think we should steer clear of any of the Imani uh, talk because there it's, it's a whole thing right now. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not doing great. I mean, uh, I think it's fair to say that the team was on TV and it did not look good. And the team is built to showcase Amani Bates. That's if the they they had a point guard that would probably help. Well, probably more like if the team didn't exist and he was on an actual functioning <laughs> team. It's this is a problem. Uh, the, I I'm I know you're uncomfortable with this. I'm happy to say there's lots of baggage that's going to come. Yep. with the Monty Bates, specifically his wacky dad. <laughs> Okay. All right. We we jumped the shark. It's uh, nothing to do with him as a as a guy. He comes to uh, the camp. What about us? What are you gonna do? Yeah. 
he's being well, exploited right now, and it's not it to his advantage. He should be on there a real is. team. Yeah, that that is that is fair. Um, that you know, uh, it, it probably it probably would do someone well in in all of life. And uh, this isn't specific to Amani, but that if you have uh, if you have a boss of some sort or a coach of some sort, that maybe the first time you have a coach who isn't your parent should probably be before you go to specifically college. a Division One college program in the Big Ten. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it's 2022, potentially 2021. I think there's just, you know, the roster conversations get super uncomfortable. I know we've been, we've been talking about that for a bit now, but I'm just realizing there are guys of substantial value that I'm worried even they get a bit squeezed. Um, particularly if there's a lot of, you know, sort of star power involved. Well, and particularly if, some of these guys that think they're going to go pro don't get what they're looking for from yep. the NBA. Yep. Is, is rocket Watts going pro this nope. year? There's no way. No, nope. there's no way. And so is pro a, if pro means a prostitute. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not nope, the one. That's not okay. the one professional. Uh, but let's, let's move on to football uh, because uh, you can just feel good um, here. MSU picks up a transfer out of Wake Forest, Kenneth Walker III. He's a 5'10", 206-pound running back who was on the 2020 Doak Walker Award watch list, which, you know, um, at times we've got this. We've mentioned that watch lists are, are you playing this year? What position do you play? You're on a watch list. <laughs> Uh, but if we've seen you before on the TV, <laughs> are you starting? <laughs> but yep, you're on uh, the list. <laughs> <laughs> but he he did have 119 carries on the year for 579 yards. That's good for 4.9 yards per carry with 13 touchdowns. He was splitting carries with uh, another back on the team, which is uh, you know why you would see the lower uh, lower yardage number, despite the very good yards per carry. Um, and great touchdowns. Um, uh, having watched some of his film, I would say he's a super impressive back uh, with a lot of patience. Uh, fans will recall that when we previewed the Pinstripe Bowl last year, um, we talked about Wake Forest having a, a real long mesh point where the quarterback and is handing the ball off to the running back. Um, that forces a ton of patience, a lot of vision. He has a ton of ability to change direction all over the place. The dude can juke someone out of their pants. Um, he's real low to the ground, great burst, yet not afraid to drop a shoulder. Um, it's an exciting pickup. I did not see us picking up a running back, though. Greg, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I mean, like, we, we thought that we had a pretty good idea of what was going to be happening in the running back role at this point uh, with the transfers in and the transfers out. It's going to be competitive. I, I think what this means is we can expect to see another transfer out. I agree? hope it's not Hayward. I mean, I've got all my money on Hayward. Actually, <laughs> all of it. Uh, yeah, you know, if 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 Elijah hit the 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 portal, I would not that's, color me yeah. shocked. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you go from uh, one year in a in a garbage offense. I mean, genuinely, the 2019 Spartan offense was garbage, and he was still nearly a thousand yard running back, um, to not playing at all for the most part. Um, so he certainly would be a, I would imagine, a commodity on the in the portal that coaches would be looking at. So I, I, I'm not rooting for him to leave to be very clear, but I just, I don't see if you're him and you see Harold Joyner coming in, yeah, you're not getting the the carries in 2020. You see this uh, Kenneth Walker, the third coming in. So there's Joyner, there's Walker, this new guy. And then still that hasn't transferred out. There's Collins, Simmons and Hayward, right? Yep. Hayward's still there for another year. Five dudes. Yeah, it's, it's, my God. If, if, and I think Brandon Wright is still there. Six. Brand, okay, I, I six. hope he gives equal distribution. Yeah. I hope everyone gets a couple minutes. I think I think he just follows the Izzo school of thought here and everyone gets a few minutes. It's it's weird. And Kenneth Walker the third is a sophomore. Yeah. So he will oh, be yeah, a that's very sophomore irrelevant. next year. I think Eli Collins has got to be quietly upset about this unless there are conversations being yeah. had with him. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't blame him. I uh, certainly, um, so uh, look, and, and you got to imagine there's a reason that Kenneth Walker, the third transferred. I don't know what it is. I have no insight on that, but like if it was because he was splitting carries and he thought, Hey, I'm a stud, then, you know, I, I, I'm, I would be super fascinated what the pitch was to, to land mm. him in the first place with a, mm. with a running back room. That's that stacked. Yeah. Um, so, but either way, an exciting player that I, I will look forward to, to seeing in the green and white next year. Um, also worth mentioning Shakur Brown, who's left for the NFL was named to second team, all American, a uh, second team, all American. Good for him. Um, so yeah, high fives yeah. all around. Uh, um, we had a new transfer in two star, uh, Javez, uh, Alexander, uh, wide receiver transferring out of MSU. Uh, I, I think this is most notable in that I'm starting to now get a little worried about depth at wide receiver. Cause we've had a couple of them. Yeah. Anyone want to yeah. back me up on that? Yeah. I I'll be honest. I have not looked at the depth chart, uh, recently, but yeah, there have been what three wide receiver transfers out. Yeah. You figure you've got Mosley. Um, Jaden Reed and, um, why is his name escaping me? Jalen Naylor, um, mm-hmm. as your, your sort of starting three, you have, uh, Montori Foster, uh, I think Terry Lockett, uh, was another one. And then, um, why am I forgetting the guy who lit up Michigan? How is that name escaping me? Someone help me out. Nope. Ricky, Ricky White, Ricky White. White. There you go. So, I mean, I can fill out a two deep, but like, I don't. Uh, you you need more than a two deep. So that's a bit concerning, I guess. Um, so yeah, bulletin news last, uh, this is a dumb thing, but I think it's fun, uh, as a contrast to the Mark D'Antonio era is MSU has the third largest increase in Twitter interactions among, uh, FBS teams with first being Ohio state and second being Arkansas, it's very clear that MSU has prioritized social media engagement and it's just a uh, sign of the times. Cool. Good for them. I mean, they have the most room to increase. I think would be my, <laughs> my, 
my read of that. Yeah, honestly, Ohio State getting the most increase is a little bit surprising it's to me. It's like, how? How did you, how? How did you not already? Like, I get Arkansas. That one makes sense to me. But Ohio State? What? Anyway. Uh, Greg, do you want to tell us about our first sponsor? Guys. Mortgage rates yeah. are... Yeah. No. I was I was addressing the audience, Michael. Well, maybe you now, should say you know folks. What? Folks with an X. No. I meant specifically, no, I didn't. You're right, folks. Folks, mortgage rates are very near historical lows. Exceptionally low rates, okay? And we've been, we've been going at this for months now. And I know some of you. I know at least one of you. And you know who you are. And I think we know who you are, too. One of you has a mortgage that's above 4%. And you're not contacting Brandon Sands. Why is that? Why is that? Why is it? Is, is that because you're scared? Is that because you're like I? I don't. I don't know. It's a lot of work. Yeah, big everything. baby. It's not. I've gone through the process. It's fantastic. Brandon's done ten thousand of these things. Ten thousand. You know why? <laughs> you know why? It's because it's the right thing to do. So every once in a while, Mr. Sands, he comes to us and he's like, guys, you've got a fantastic podcast. You're driving me a lot of loans, but I know this one listener, you, you, hasn't called me yet. And you. Brandon, last time Brandon called us about you, he was crying. You. He was like, why, why won't they call me? In I'm tears. Gonna, I'm going to save them hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars. If they consolidate some other, you know, some of the high interest debts. Yeah. And Jonesy and I were like, man, I don't even know why they won't call you Brandon Sands. But God, call him. Now is the time. Now is the time. Go to rate.com slash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com slash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. And just, just finally do it. Just reach out. Just send the email. Brandon will reach out back to you. And then the cogs will start moving. And everything will be fine. All right? He's here. For me. He's here. He's going he's gonna to give you some money. He's here to help. He loves you. That's rate.com slash Brandon Sands. Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z. Rate.com slash Brandon Sands. You don't even have to be in Michigan. Just reach out to him. He'll hook you up with someone locally. Because I know we get, I know we got listeners outside the state. He'll he'll hook you up. He'll help you out. Uh, but reach out right now. And uh, if well, rate's over four percent. And Brandon, uh, just a note to Brandon, we're going to be charging you double this month because that ad read went about uh, <laughs> six minutes too long. So, <laughs> uh, I thought I was a great hype man, but you know who is going to have to reach out to Brandon Sands? Is it Jimmy? So H? Is, is it Jim Jimmy? H? Is it Jim Harbaugh? Is in the Po House? Jimmy H is calling up his friend, Greg Schiano, uh, Rutgers coach, because uh, Jimmy H just signed a deal where his salary is the same as the head football coach of Rutgers. <laughs> let's just let's just let that savor in the mouth for a second. Just that, that feels real good to say that that my coach, Mel Tucker, with Billy Brinkstruck, uh, Brinkstruck Beekman uh, is paying Mel Tucker more than the head coach of the University of Michigan. And that feels good. 
It feels great. Well, what it does, this confirms that there was no interest from the NFL. Um, Seemingly no interest from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't really want to dwell on this because it's mean. Nope. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. So here's the deal. Uh, Jimmy H is making four million a year. Uh, with some incentives that in theory will get him back to checking it less than still what he was making this past year. Um, those incentives are, because I just, I think it's worth mentioning them, are a uh, a bonus for uh, Coach of the Year in the Big Ten. Never happened. Nope. Has never happened. Will not happen. National Coach of the Year. Has never happened. Will never happen. Uh, an AP rank at the end of the year. Sure. Has oh, happened. Yep. Okay. There go. Yep. There's uh, 150 K for you. Jimmy. H. Notably the big bonuses happen for the following reasons. A big 10 East championship. Now, not only has that never happened, he's barely sniffed one <laughs> and, and he must get it outright. outright. I think he said it was worth $5 billion. I mean, at this point, what's the difference? (laughs) I think to be completely uh, factual here, I think they did share in one. Oh, Uh, did they go to a championship game? Because in which case they've not won a Big East championship. They they also, that is one of his incentives to be Big Ten champions. Never happened. Uh, (laughs) New York Six Bowl game has happened. New Year's Six Bowl. Yes. Sorry. In case, in case people thought that you were talking about the pinstripe bowl, which is probably maybe realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a college football playoff semifinal, <laughs> which is really like, guys, <laughs> come. Did Jim Harbaugh just concede the money for the semifinal and the championship? Oh, no, sorry. Champion. Yeah. Uh, he gets a milli for that. So basically, he's got his base salary of four mil. And then he reasonably could get uh, 150K for being ranked at the end of the season and being in an NY6 bowl game. He That's possible too. So yeah. on paper, on average, Jimmy Harbo would be earning <laughs> 4.1 million. And in some, re- some of his seasons, he would uh, get 4.35. <laughs> that's brutal how the mighty have fallen you know what though this is good though because this just takes that monkey off his back he was getting paid too much everyone knew it and now this is going to take it off the table um the other thing that i'll point out because oh you think you think jim harbaugh is money motivated that like oh i needed to be on commission it was the salary that was holding me back (laughs) no what i'm saying is like it's it comes up all the time in the press and like, oh, Jim, you just finished third in the Big Ten East again. Do you think you're worth being paid the most of everyone except for Dabo and Saban? Um, no, obviously he wasn't. Obviously he never was. I will say this, though. Who was Michigan going to hire? I'm actually, this is the most proud I've been of the Michigan Athletic Department in a while because they knew they had a guy. They knew they couldn't do much better. and they knew he didn't have anything better to do either. So they stood their ground and they made him sign a fair contract. Yeah. A market rate fair contract for what Jim Harbaugh produces. Yeah. That's, 
that's fair. Um, Did I just ruin the podcast by <laughs> just bringing it down? No, I mean, like, let's, but let's say, let's still have a good laugh at, like, the, the, it's a, is a tacit admission of to what you are. Yep. It's what it is. I mean, it's a, it's an acknowledgement of what we've known Michigan to be. This is uh, the contract that he has earned, and it's the contract that that program deserves. Uh, I, I want to shout out Corey Robinson, the Rivals reporter um, for MSU, who who made this simile for what had happened. He says, this feels like a failed night at the bar for both sides. With reduced pay, easy buyouts, and no interest from the NFL or top replacement candidates, neither side is a proud of what they're about to do, but here we are. <laughs> but the lights just turned on. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> That both parties got a good look at each other, and both parties said, "Yeah, that's fair." <laughs> I mean, what's alarming is how cheap the buyout is, too. Like, I mean, this is, uh, you know, to be <laughs> to stop clowning for a second and, and look at it seriously. This continues to be a problem from a recruitment standpoint. That that his buyout is his salary next year, like. They only have to pay him one more year at best or at worst, depending on your perspective. So, and then after two years, it's less than what it costs to literally have him on for another year. So what, what modicum of faith does that provide to a recruit that Jim Harbaugh has any leash here, let alone, honestly, a desire to be here because let us not forget Jim Harbaugh doesn't use an agent. This was negotiated by him himself. Jimmy, maybe I, you should have gotten an agent, my man. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to clown too long, but like, I, I, that is right. That is easy negative recruiting. Easy. Hmm. So, but hey, maybe he'll finally get his guys. Uh, anything else, Plum? You got anything you want to say on this one? I mean, you know. It speaks for itself. You know, he's so overblown and uh, this just feels good to see. I love seeing those little JH initials on the bottom. He just had to take it because there's nothing else for him. Can we just say uh, what was what was in what ended up in the media was like a a very it it was just an Excel spreadsheet and they kind of did some formatting on it. But like at least at least do us all a favor and turn off the grid, man. Like if you're going to make it a report, turn off the grid and then do just, there are a bunch of pre-built table, uh, formatting options. Use one of them. Use one. Use two. It would look so much better than this. Honestly, add some branding, like make the table, you know, alternate blue and gold rows or uh, sorry, blue and corn, blue and corn. Do something as a guy that used to have a job for way less than three hundred and forty five, three million four hundred and seventy five thousand a year. I, you know, take some pride in your work, you know, make some Excel tables that look a, a little bit better than this. Just again, turning off the grid would have gone a long way here. Make make people get a ruler out on Twitter. <laughs> follow it all the way across. Yeah, this anyway. was this was made to tweet. Um, so 
Uh, do we want to talk about the national championship game at all? Is that something we're going to, we didn't put it on the outline, but like, well, I, the, the, it might happen. The fun thing it might happen. Yeah. The fun thing that we were going to be able to talk about is maybe it was going to get canceled because of COVID. It's starting to sound like that's not going to happen, but like Ohio state, how many, how many outbreaks can you have in a year? You almost have as many outbreaks as you've played games, dude. What is going on? Because they're in Ohio. There's no one serious lives in Ohio. That's A. B. <laughs> back backcountry bumpkins. The bumpus is dogs. I don't know. It's of course, of course. Ryan Day's eyebrows alone are responsible for at least two yeah. very distanced uh, outbreaks. That should be the social distancing length that's it. that everyone. Yeah, that's uses. it, guys. Look at coach's eyebrows. Stay at least that far away from everyone else. There would be no COVID on the entire team. <laughs> oh, well, it's still, uh, yeah, it, it, look, it, we'll see what happens. Uh, it, I don't think, do we talk about Saban's daughter last week tweeting about Ohio state? I, I don't know. It, it's been a saga. Um, I honestly, I'm looking forward to the season just being officially kind of over because in some ways, at least for me, I've internalized it as, all right, now we're turning the page fully on 2020 and we can get uh, to the business of looking ahead, looking forward to things. And, you know, I'm ready for that game to be over. Are you guys going to watch it? Uh, yeah, probably. I'm going to watch yeah, it. Probably. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily proud of it, but I'm going to watch it. All right. Well, let's uh, say a quick couple words about our next sponsor before we head to some game previews. Um, our next sponsor is, of course, Preserved Homemade, a goods and provision store bringing you the tastes of home in the form of homemade treats. We've been promising for a bit now that uh, the January drop would be happening. And folks, it is not. Um, the good news with the bad news, the bad news, of course, being that there are no goods and treats to get in the January drop. But the good news is Preserved Homemade is acquiring a very important and necessary license to be able to sell pickled goods. And I don't know if you like yourself some spicy pickles, some spicy pickled things. This is clutch. So um I am excited to see the tastes of the February drop. Not only get some cookies, but hopefully some of that Bloody Mary mix and some pickled carrots. It's personally what I'm looking out for. Uh, check their Instagram page out at preserved underscore homemade or head to their website at preserved-homemade.com to treat yourself or someone you love to some homemade goodness. Greg, it's time to chat some basketball previews. Yeah, and you have in here Iowa in parentheses, ugh, another 9 p.m. tip. All right, dad, hey. settle down. You're not going to the game. You just have to have the TV on for two hours starting at 9 p.m. What, what is your deal, man? Yeah, you said it, dad. Oh, my God. My late night is this. Oh, my God. Oh, this is the saddest thing. You, you uh, have to admit, though, it's less true with Iowa, but it, when there are two East Coast teams playing and there's a 9 p.m. tip, it is mildly baffling. You have to admit, though, that your life is pathetic and you do <laughs> pathetic things. That's, uh, you know what? Touche. That's spot on. Uh, so start me off with the numbers that I need to know for Iowa. Okay, so Iowa, 
is the highest ranked team in the Big Ten right now, AP5. Uh, Ken Palm, four. Yeah, I'm and checking. This, did they win today? They did. They beat yeah. Minnesota today, I believe, right? They avenged that Minnesota loss from earlier. Um, yeah. They're up to Ken Palm, three. <laughs> up to Ken Palm, three. The numbers have updated. Here's exactly what you need to know about Iowa. They're the number two offense in the country. And they're the number 76 defense nope. in the country. 72nd. <laughs> in the country. Now, if you're saying to yourself, well, there's 300 and some teams, that probably happens all the time that there are teams that are really good on offense, really bad on defense. Not like this. Usually you see a differential of like 10 or 20 or 30. It's never second best offense, 70th best defense, or the other way around. That's just not how it works. It's very strange that a team can be so efficient on one side of the ball and so inefficient on the other. So here's what you need to know about the personnel at uh, at the Iowa. Luca Garza, of course, is, again, National Player of the Year material. Probably going to be two-time Big Ten Player of the Year. Probably, probably going to get National Player of the Year. Right? It's he's doing his thing. He's going to get fouled like a thousand times in this game. He has a very strong forehead. I just we need to acknowledge some of the facial features there because they are off-putting and disconcerting. Yes, indeed. And then there are three guards on the team that you also need to know, and I'll go in descending order of how likely you already know them. Uh, Jordan Bohannon, senior, um, shooting pretty well from the three, about 38%. You know, he's been around. He's a known commodity. He's an Iowa basketball player. Uh, Joe Weiskamp, junior guard, uh, also shooting 37% from three, but also 46% overall. So he... Gets in there a little bit more, a little bit more into the lane. And then CJ Frederick, sophomore guard. You might not remember him from last year because I don't think he played a whole lot. No, he's hurt he, last year. Oh, he didn't play much of anything at all. He's shooting 42 or 52, pardon me, percent from three right now, which is very good. And usually that happens because he's not taking a lot of shots and he just happened to hit, you know, it's small numbers. He's shooting at a fairly high volume and he's hitting half of them. So that is a concern for the team, uh, MSU's team, and something that you should be keeping an eye on. So uh, Luca Garza is going to get fouled about 20 times in this game. Uh, anything else that you guys want to talk about? Uh, about Luka he has Garza? very thick calves and ankles. <laughs> uh I mean, I would ask why they're all so white. Um, that's another question I have. It's um, Iowa. You don't have to ask that question. No, I know. It's just sort of like a rally, uh, rally slash insurrection uh, party that they've got going on. Oh, God knows their coaching um, staff sure does. <laughs> also, is there a Big Ten coach right. less likable than Fran McCaffrey? Did you see that Fran McCaffrey is now the third highest tenured coach in the Big Ten? It's insane. <sighs> How did that happen? Unlikable schmuck. I'll tell you that. How did that happen? I don't know. That's unreal to me. Um, So, uh, yeah, the... What what do you think MSU has to do to win here? I see your notes, and I and I got some some extra thoughts on this, but... I mean, it boils down to you've got to just make Luca Garza uncomfortable, 
you got to guard the perimeter and you got to try to keep up on offense. Oh, that's all. Oh, that's good. And, and that, we've been good at all man. of that this season so far. So we shouldn't have any problems. <laughs> well, our guys shouldn't have any problem following Luca Garza. If I, I was at the Iowa game last year and it was bad. I mean, like Luca was able to do whatever he wanted, but he, he got fouled a lot in the process. And then I, Xavier Tillman came in and kind of shut him down a little bit. And that was nice, but Xavier Tillman's not walking through the tunnel. So, no, um, I, I got to imagine, though, that if anything, if anything we can take from the Purdue game is that the. The strategy isn't all too different, right, because like it, it, I mean, Purdue is not as good, obviously, but Iowa, like Purdue, has a guy who can feast in the paint in Luca Garza. He just mm-hmm. happens to be able to feast at an extraordinary yeah. level. And then they've That's got some guys on the abs. outside. What's Yeah. And they've got some guys on the outside who can shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what we saw against Purdue, which they genuinely did execute pretty well for most of that game was, um, you know, a soft double, which I think will be a hard double um, against Garza. And, you know, just solid perimeter defense. We... It, we can say the perimeter defense has been better the last few sure. games. Um, and if you've got Henry, I I assume on CJ Frederick in this game, I assume because of the closeout ability. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I, I don't know, but that'll be interesting to see where they assign everyone. I mean, I, I don't really know, but so anyway, I, I think all the guys of, that you've got to cover at the three in, in terms of what, what I would say fans should probably look for is probably a defensive strategy, not that different than what we did against Purdue, which again, despite the terrible outcome, we did execute well enough. Um, mm, I mean, so. did we, I mean, look at what we did with Travion. No, I'm just I, saying if we let Travion Williams absolutely massacre us in the second half, what the hell hope should we have that we're not going to do the same thing with Garza, who by the way is 40 times the player that Travion Williams is. I got to imagine Izzo's not running small ball on this lineup. I got to imagine. No, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen in this game. Anyway, after that, so we've got a bit of time off until the Iowa game, which is, uh, what, this Thursday? Uh, And then, is it Sunday we have the Indiana game? That sounds right to me. I I think it's one of those Sunday, potentially... uh, Thursday uh, at 9, and then um, Sunday at 3.30. And that that seems like that's going to be one of the actual like three letter network broadcast type games. Woohoo. Well, I'll take that matchup. So what do we want to say about Indiana? Well, um, Archie is not a very good coach. (laughs) Uh, uh, They're seven and five. Um, They're way better than us in the camp bomb. Twenty three overall. 23rd, uh, 56 in offense, 12th in defense. Um, have, have either of you actually watched an Indiana game this year? No, they're never on the TV because they're bad. I have not actually seen. And usually I will have seen an Indiana game or two. Um, I haven't actually seen one. Um, but we know Trace got- Jackson Davis. We know yes. Trace Jackson Davis. He's been there forever, seemingly. He's easily their most important player, right? He's averaging 34 minutes a game. Yeah. I was going to say, he's going to be on the floor the whole time. 
And he, I know from the Big Ten Network that he's averaging like a double double. Um, so basically, uh, so that's the dude. What an guys! I think this is our best preview that we've ever done. Indiana basketball. I wrote this one. Come on now. <laughs> All right, Jonesy. What does MSU have to do to win? So, in my mind, it, it, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, MSU's problem has been their inability to play any game other than whatever the game is their opponent wants to play. This is a game that MSU absolutely should and has to impose their identity, um, which will admittedly be a challenge because Indiana plays slow out of what, 300, uh, how many Ken Palm teams are there? Like 370. Three, all right, yeah, out of uh Ah, 357. Um, all right. Out of 357 uh, Ken Palm teams, they are 300th in tempo, uh, which is not fun. Uh, it should make for a, unless MSU is able to impose their will, not a great game to watch. They need to defend, rebound, and run. The good news is that size-wise, this isn't a terrible matchup for MSU. Uh Obviously, stopping Jackson Davis will be key. He's accounting for nearly 29% of IU's total points this season. Um, They don't shoot too many threes, um, and they aren't particularly good, except for Armand Franklin, who's shooting 47.6% on the year. Um, They have some guy who's shooting way more threes, but is only shooting 29%, which tells me that maybe he just hasn't found his shot. Hey, we know all about that. Yeah. That's uh, more uh, speed. (laughs) So I expect uh, Henry to tank on Franklin for the most of the night for the same reasons that we talked about with Iowa. Um, And then, you know, some, some rotation, continued rotation at the five, because who cares? Um, Offensively, the key is going to be dumb, but move the ball and limit turnovers. The assist numbers against Purdue were sad and pathetic. Um, And so just keep the ball moving. Uh, so, yeah, those are my keys to the win uh, of a game that I've not watched a team play all year. So. Uh, Jackson Davis is number one in the country in two point field goal. Huh. Attempts. Yeah, it, I, the, I wasn't. I mean, that's insane that 29 percent of their point total points scored come from him. Though I wonder and what gets, Iowa's numbers are. He also gets the line a lot. So he's not a terrible shooter be, there either. Be prepared for that. So. Anyway, uh, Iowa, not Iowa, Indiana is certainly a winnable game. Uh, You know, um, if we play, if we play against Iowa the way we played against Rutgers, it will at least be a competitive, fun to watch match. Let's just say that. Yes. Uh, Iowa running fast. It makes me excited. Yep. Um, All right. With that, before we get to the Twitter questions, we have a not a sponsor. Plum. We should do this this week's episode of can't read, can't write is not brought to you by Harpo productions. Yes, you heard it right. This American multimedia production company founded in 1986 by none other than Oprah Winfrey is expanding her market to include the growing field of sports motivation. Who better to partner with than Tom Izzo. Izzo, who attended a kickoff summit in the fall and became one of Oprah's fastest learners, has brought to East Lansing what he's learned. In fact, we saw this at Purdue's game right after tip-off when he turned around and told all of the guys on the bench to look under their chairs where they found written on a piece of paper 
the number of minutes they would be playing. <laughs> Elatedly, Izzo pointed at Lawyer, you get eight minutes at Marble, you get five minutes at Ithier, you get 14 minutes, and so on and so on. Until he tried to give three minutes to the 14-year-old towel boy, at which time Dwayne Stevens sat him down and got him a drink of water. So, for listeners of the pod, Oprah is excited to announce a 10% discount for the first 100 registrations to the upcoming Izzo Winfrey Coach Coaching Inspiration Tour. Just type in, can't read, can't write, can't bench anyone at checkout. <laughs> Harpo Productions, we are genuinely thrilled uh, to be joined by you. Uh, gentlemen, let's, <laughs> let's head to Twitter questions. And we are going to start with a first-time questioner, Crispy Dale. And I love that handle. That is uh, a great handle. I love it. Uh, Crispy Dale asks... Can MSU fix the paint issues this year with what they have on both offense and defense? Is Izzo switching up the lineups too much to create any consistency? Dale, I think you found some of what we were saying. I personally think that he's narrowing. Believe it or not, I believe he's actually narrowing. But, um, gentlemen, what do we think? Can we fix the paint issues this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's an issue here. I mean, part of this is Langford's shot selection, and Izzo's been talking about it. We've been talking about it, I think, on the pod. Big issue here is when and where uh, Langford is continuing to take shots. Tell me, how frustrated do you guys get when you watch him uh, tee up and you're, you're like, that, that's got to be a three, Josh, except for your big toes are about four inches across the line here. What are you? It's like that selection is so confusing to me. It's a lack of awareness. And we all know it's because the last time he played was 2007 when the free throw when the three point line was like all the way to the top of the key. Plum brings up a great point. Uh, but Greg, what do you think about the paint issues? Uh, I don't think they're going to get fixed. Crispy Dale. I'm sorry. Right. I don't. I don't. I think they're going to find some kind of acceptable level, but there's not going to be a solution. I think I personally think Izzo's got to commit to someone at the five run small ball way left often. And the paint issues actually will probably be resolved by Hauser getting lower on the block more often. That's my thought. Uh, if it's going to happen, I think that's the way it has to happen. Um, next up, CT and TC uh, plum. I'm going to give this one to you. Who's worse? Perfect. Bo Borowski or Teddy oh. Valentine as an official stand up for your brethren. Uh, is it Black and yeah. white stripe. You'll, you'll love this. You'll love the if, the if listeners of the pod understood the abuse I get at my colleagues on this, and we'll be explicit. There is no one who has come for TV Ted Valentine harder than yours truly. He is in almost every respect a stain on the profession of refereeing. Bo Borowski, to be clear, has consistently shit the bed on refereeing so it, this this is this is indefensible and also michigan state got them into this position and let's be clear the fault with, do you want to explain the position the, yeah the position that we got ourselves into was there was a class b technical foul call against someone on uh the seven four guy yeah, whoever tall slender tall who uh, the, and on that, they switched the possession arrow and inst- I think and then gave the ball back or, or did, instead of giving the ball back where the opposite took place. They should have just gotten the ball, but the possession arrow should have remained with Michigan State. And that didn't happen. Instead, they switched the possession arrow, went to Iowa. And so whose fault is that? 
Well, technically, it would be Bose as the crew chief, but in fact, it isn't. It was Michigan State's own appointed personnel. So if you want to blame somebody, you can take Michigan State because in the Big Ten, and for most of the NCAA schools, the reserve official who's working the bench is appointed by the school, which was why when we were students there, it was the same woman with the curly perm who was at every single game with a short sleeve referee shirt on with a long sleeve black t-shirt underneath it. She looked just absolutely like the wrong person to be in that position. So that's whose job this was. That was the fail here. Yes. Was there an over the back on Watts? There's no doubt there was an over the back on Watts. But by that point, they'd already called 642 fouls. So you're not going to get any referee on for either direction. And also, by the way, when you watch the replay, Izzo saying he was calling for timeout or someone was calling for timeout is wholly and fulsomely inaccurate. It didn't happen. He wasn't doing it in real time. He didn't start making the timeout gesture until well after they'd already called for the jump. So I don't. I, we got ourselves into this position. And does it smart? Absolutely. But frankly, this isn't on them. Some of the offensive foul calls were also fine, but they were terrible against uh, against the, against the uh, who, uh, Purdue as well. So whatever. Whatever. Anyway, uh, next up from CTNTC, have you? You didn't answer it. So Teddy Valentine. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's undoubtable. Yeah, right. for sure. But Bo is not great. Um, have you warmed to Coach K's every team makes the tournament idea? <laughs> CT, shut up. Uh, Greg, <laughs> what do you think? I have no idea why anyone would warm to that idea this Please. year. The logistics of it. Good God. Uh, also from CTNTC, uh, Jonesy, my boss said I could keep working for another five years if I cut my salary in half. Do you think he has confidence in me? <laughs> 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 I, I, feel, I feel your pain as a wolverine man i feel your pain uh, i would say no your boss <laughs> thinks that you're pretty garbage and just no one wanted the job oh this God. year um next up is ev marie 24 what are some alternative hobbies to crushing sport bosses <laughs> anyone doing anything fun right now you can go to the uh, to the okay. There's some, okay. there's some based wow. patriots that are going to. No, be I'll tell there. you what you could do. Just go on to Twitter and help the FBI identify these cretins. Yes, actually, they've done They're a good a job. Usually, it's the job. And if for nothing else, Ev Marie twenty four, just go watch the videos of the individuals landing in their respective home airports and being arrested by police upon touchdown. It is both affirming yeah. and soul restoring. As upset as I got that they were able to just walk out of the building, it has been fun to just like get the dopamine hit of them being arrested two by two or three by three day by day. It that's been fun to be yeah. able to watch. And the guy ranting that he's on the no fly oh, list is also rip. pretty shiskiss. I, um, I also love the dudes that are like, I'll I'll get arrested, I don't care as long as no one thinks I'm Antifa. I ain't Antifa. We, we don't think you're Antifa. Kevin Greck is the that real Antifa. That is 100% uh, true. Next up is Raymond Chains. Mike Jones, do you think the MSU-UM rivalry is felt across all sports as much as football? See further, the hockey team got deflated nine to zip last night and thereby forgot the faces of their fathers. Unless everyone had the trots, <laughs> that's inexcusable. Or maybe, or maybe UM hockey is just that good. 
so I don't think UM Hockey is that good. Uh, we did defeat them the next yeah. day. Yeah, uh, we, it went the other way. Scoring two, <laughs> uh, scoring two goals in the last two and a half minutes. And I believe the meltdown on M Go Blog was fantastic because someone <laughs> someone said there was a, a systemic issue within the athletic department where they blow games at the end which i just love that somehow there's a systemic yeah. issue related to amateur athletes that change year over year in different sports there's something tying that thread together you have to have QAnon level reasoning to think that there's a systemic problem leading to blown leads across sports how can you guys have a conversation when raymond chains used to I want to come back to the tribe so because I do think I do think that's the more important part of this and I do want to acknowledge that of all the major sports getting the trots in a in your hockey getup has to be one oh, of the yeah. least pleasant. <laughs> yeah, cuz you got to get the suspension. There's a lot you've got to get off. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. worst place to. And just the trots. smell alone of your gear. I mean, I've smelled hockey gear before. That is not okay. And and those uh, I've been in one or two of those locker rooms. They're not like they're not built to be you know bathrooms. They're, built, they're like no one's actually supposed to use those. Those aren't like a pool yeah. uh, locker room or anything like yeah. that. Anyway, um, continue. Next up, if uh, if you threw me a birthday party, would Alex at Alex Plum pop out of the cake? Um, well, Raymond, some bad news for you. At Alex Plum does not know who no. you are. Plum, do you want to? Yeah, I if, if and if I'm and I could be wrong, um, hot take, I'm not. But as as I recall, at Alex Plum is probably some sad woman named Jeanette Williams. It's very confusing to me why a individual named Jeanette Williams, who joined in May of 2010 and has only two individuals following her and hasn't ever liked any tweets or tweeted anything of her own could be at Alex Plum, and yet here we are. So I'm all of a sudden worried that maybe I'm Jeanette Williams? I don't know. Suffice it to say, when you have a birthday, Raymond, Jeanette and or I, or both of us, will in fact pop out of a cake for you, but I can't tell you exactly where that's going to happen. Plum, you mentioned the uh, Class B technical uh, for the Boilermaker. Raymond Chains wants to know, why did he get the T for making a slam dunk? Apparently, it's because he they thought he hung on the rim for longer than he should have. Not dissimilar to a certain uh, roughing the passer call against Michigan State because he laid on the QB. He, he, did, he, he did hang on the rim oh. too long. It, well, it was also interference because he was hanging on the rim and then also trying to rebound at the same time. Which yeah, it was, so that, and that, I mean, just from a philosophical perspective, you know, in, in refereedom, that I think rises to the level of a bit of extra trickery. You know, now you're you're using the appurtenances of the of the the rim on the backboard to take advantage and to get an undue advantage, and that would you know that would rise to the level of a. T- yeah, imagine if seven four dudes could just grab yeah. on the rim and use it as leverage to try to grab or alternate its angle, alter yeah. its angle to make the basket go in, the ball go in the basket. Yeah. 
Um, it is, uh, you can only hang on the rim if there's a person underneath you and you do it for their safety. Correct. Uh, otherwise, any uh, ex- extraneous uh, hanging on the rim is a Class B technical. Uh, next up, this week in the final season of the Dantonio. If D'Antonio gets the trots, I'm gonna oh be, that's going to be it for me. After Spartan Nation Motorcycle Club establishes a club in Ypsilanti, the club's future looks good. Or Governor Whitmer requests Spartan Nation Motorcycle Club help after Jim Harbaugh leads QAnon and a militia <laughs> in a run for its There's no doubt it's the latter. There's no doubt. It has to be. Because he's especially irate, believing in fact that this whole Pizzagate conspiracy is what's gotten his 50% salary reduction in place. That wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for all those pedophiles eating pizza. Jim, you need some more endocrine or whatever that <laughs> that thing is that the globalists are eating in the children. Uh, <laughs> next up from Taylor Anderson. Uh, who is happier about Harbaugh getting an extension, Ohio State or the local Ann Arbor Walmart supply guy who orders his khakis? Oh, well, I think we're all right. Uh, pretty tickled about this. And uh, I got to imagine, you know, the, the local guy in Ann Arbor doesn't work on a commission. That's it. You know? So that's definitely true. Taylor, I'm sorry you had to come after Raymond used the term the trots because that was a funny joke and it deserved a laugh. But I was I was still, uh, you know, recovering from the trots. Uh, next up, Carl, you do too much, bro, asks lineup. Why mad at sports? Thanks. I mean, that speaks for itself. Uh, Does that even need a response? He's right. I think we've covered that at length, including uh, Plum getting mad at sports for the lineups. So, uh, next up from Carl, you do too much, bro. Also on the subject of lineups, Marvel seems to have tremendous upside offensively. Why isn't he getting more run? Why wasn't Bingham rewarded for swatting down 300 shots in the first half? Hauser objectively cannot guard Williams. How does Tom not see what my seven-year-old... I want to be explicit. I think this is where I need to come clean, you guys. My whole rant today was simply just repeating how what Carl, you do too much, bro, tweeted. I checked it before the pod and just decided to parrot him. So I apologize, Carl. Carl Carl has an earpiece. We didn't mention Marble, though, at all, and he's not wrong. Marble seemingly has disappeared um, and and did have offensive go... <laughs> all right next up is zanjo who hurt bo Borowski as a child I'll, to make him i'll tell you it was way. jim burr damn it it was that damn jim burr he probably mentored him and hurt him hurt him deeply and so he continues the legacy of hurt and shame it's a spiral great uh next up is the upper deck jerk guy should i even bother watching basketball anymore come on come, come on, on. You asked last year about, are we all going to do this meltdown oh, thing? Yes, of course you should continue. Except for the Indiana game, because uh, we did just preview that it's going to be very slow and torturous. So you can just turn on something else in the background, too. Yeah, but that's the only thing that, pl- that uh, Jones is going to watch, because it's, you know, 3 p.m. <laughs> on a Sunday. You know, it's not before <laughs> bedtime. Shut up. Uh, actually, it's after nap time. It's really inconvenient. <laughs> uh, wow, so- there's just no good time for basketball. No, 7 p.m. is perfect. You're the worst. uh, I will also take a noon tip. Noon tip is great. Uh, So 2021, he asks, is off to a good start. Uh, Will it be worse than 2020? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, no. There's a vaccine. It can't be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's well. Yeah, right. I mean, right. I mean, it right? Can't be. right, right, right. Oh God! I know we're supposed to keep everyone to two, but I really like this. <laughs> this next question: When Plum gets dehydrated, would you call him Prune? <laughs> it's so dumb, but I love. Listen here, upper dick jerk guy, or whatever. You know, we don't need to be making ad hominem attacks on one of the hosts just because you wanted to make a funny. Prune, are you dehydrated? Because you got the trots. Oh wow! All right. Wow. Next up is Elon Bloom. I'm putting Please things don't. together. I'm just stringing them together. 2022 is looking like a great year for Spartan sports. Don't <laughs> you think? I, I, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. I'm buying it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I'm kind of seems excited like, about 2021, though. But yeah. It seems um, like a lot can happen between now and then. But sure. Great. <laughs> Uh, what was worse, hockey's nine-goal loss or basketball's one Basketball, loss? to be sure. Yeah. Like, if it's nine goals, you you were just not even competitive. Yeah, yeah but consider the consider the opponent in all of this. Oh, but I there's no love loss between uh, uh, us and Purdue basketball. That's the other piece. Yeah, you're that's right. And let's say one more thing. If the entire team had diarrhea together, that's, that's not, there's no shame in that. There's no shame if, if everybody had the trust. That's true. Uh, next up is verbose Dutch. <laughs> What's your favorite winter activity? Downhill or cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, sledding, skating, snowmobiling, ice fishing, maybe curling, which is surprisingly fun, he says. Front of the pod, Solja points out it was offensive to not include snowboarding. <laughs> Greg, what's your opinion? Uh, my uh, opinion is that Soldier is wrong. Snowboarding is for fourteen-year-olds. Exact. Uh, yep. Agreed. So Soldier is some kind of border urchin, is what yes. I've just learned. <laughs> uh, curling is fantastic, but it doesn't have to be a winter activity. Go to the Detroit Curling Club in Ferndale. It's a fantastic time. Uh, or wherever your most recent curl or your most uh, your Canadian privilege. Well, I'll tell you, Win uh, Windsor yeah. Curling Club has a fantastic location. You can drink Hurry Hard, their local ale that they make in house. Oh, they make, they make it, it themselves. themselves Hurry right? Hard. Yes. Does the DAC have a, a curling? Uh, you know, actually, they do, but it's now it's been defunct this season. So maybe it's, it will be up to me to it. resurrect said club. We will see. I think that they should change all of the bowling lanes in the baseball. You know, I'm not opposed. I, I will say this: the yeah. it, it is surprisingly it is surprisingly fun, but it's surprisingly difficult. The posture, the pose, the balance that's required to not put your weight on the stone when you're throwing it. It's it's to, to be bent over like that. Jonesy probably couldn't do it because he's so old. But for I, he is short yeah. enough, maybe he yeah. can pull it off. Yeah. It would be a problem. You guys, uh, you guys done? I'm going to do uh, downhill yeah, skiing yeah, and all here, of this. Here, here. Second. Uh, next up is Nick Kamansky, who asks, will Izzo take a 50% pay cut after this disastrous season? Nick, one, the season's not over. Uh, two, uh, no, it takes six disastrous seasons before he takes a 50% pay cut. And let's be explicit, Bill yeah, Beekman doesn't have the sack to go to Izzo with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be right with that. <laughs> Next up is podcaster ratings. Greg is a chap for his incredible knowledge of Nathan for you. Jones is a chap for mentioning the garbage man, the single greatest film ever made. Plum gets a did not play. Uh, Nick, I just want to, I want to be very clear. This is a question segment. 
I know you're a math guy, but questions. <laughs> Next up, Rebecca Poland with the question of questions. What side of the football is the top? <laughs> now we've all got the trots. Rebecca it. It's the laces. The laces. I reject yeah, the frame of the question. Out. It is absolutely the laces. Out. Laces out. Laces out. Dan. Uh, next up is John Hubbard. We haven't heard any updates about Jonesy's fantasy. Come on, John. Oh, yeah, John. That's a great point. Jonesy, how did your fantasy teams go? After being plagued by injuries. Um, oh, yeah, that only affects you. I forgot. No one else gets injuries. I honestly, you know, John, it was a rough season. I racked up a reasonable amount of fantasy points. I should have been in the playoffs if by fantasy points, but I was not. And I'm okay with that because lessons learned, I'm going to be fierce next year. It's <laughs> like an uh, Jewelers commercial in here now all of a sudden. Uh, next up, has Plum thought about auditioning Yali to be the next Zeke the Wonder Dog? Honestly, yeah. I would do it if I lived anywhere nearer to East Lansing. You can just leave Yali here. Uh, between okay. Games. If you guys want to take on that responsibility, I'm bringing all of her squeaky toys over, though. So to be clear, oh. in that scenario, uh, Plum just doesn't have a dog. That's, well, not unfair. Not unfair. No, not unfair. Because between games is literally... The problem is she's very good at... Um, well, no, she's actually a terrible catcher. And right now she refuses to return things that I throw. So we got to work. We, we got some work to do. Perfectly good Zeke the Wonder mm-hmm. Dog material there. Uh, next up is Mama Maple Leaf, who asks, Did you know the word Spartan means self-restrained, simple, frugal, and austere? The word laconic means pithy and concise and is derived from the Spartans who presided who prized brevity of speech. With that in mind, where are we right now running time-wise on the old podcast <laughs> block? Uh, we actually, I think we're probably at a decent time right now. We, we had a bit of a technical snafu, but I think we're probably okay, yeah? Eh, okay-ish. Yeah. Okay-ish. All right, I, I would, but I would, I would just yeah, gently but, push back and say that I, she, she's not wrong, but I would say laconic has a little bit of a negative connotation to it. It isn't just pithy has the sort of economical responsibility. You were being intentional with your word choice. You were being very Madisonian in, in crafting the exact diction that you you wanted. Laconic has a sort of laziness. It's a bit, uh, it's not restrained. It's just sort of tired. And so I would be careful. I would be careful, Mama. Very careful. Again, when we do our our end of quarter podcast uh, evaluations, Plum, we're we're going to say to you, we're going to play that clip, and we're going to say, Alex, what's the name of the podcast <laughs> again? Just remind us. And it would be much more pithy if we weren't involving this wow. conversation. Next up, Anthony Garvert. How many more conference losses does MSU men's basketball need before they have their quintessential midseason team meeting? And should we be worried about the team not making the tourney? Greg, let's start with you. We started this conversation before the pod and stopped ourselves. I'm not concerned about the tournament yet. I mean, I think it's going to be close. I don't think we're going to be a five seed, but uh, I I don't think we're quite at the like you know we called it. A players only team meeting quite yet but we're getting there usually that's for teams that can actually accomplish something and they're just not living up to their potential i think this is a mediocre team 
that is being mediocre, but could be a little less mediocre, maybe. Uh, but plum. Yeah, we it will is. not make the tournament this year. Oh my god! All right. Nope. And it. and not only that, because when there's a quintessential midseason team meeting, they're all going to sit in there like, "Who called this meeting?" And no one's going to know. They're going to all. It'll be like the Spider Man just pointing at each other. Like none of them will know what to do. There isn't a single leader on this team that's going to stand up and take responsibility, or even have the stones to call this and actually set direction for this team. And this, my friends, is exactly why if we make the tournament, it's going to be playing in for the 16 seed. Anthony, the uh, the defense has gotten much improved, and assuming that continues to track, bear in mind that Iowa is going to score points. But like, if the defense continues to track, I uh, I will continue to be encouraged. Um, last bear, question. Bear, uh, two two more things that I'll point out there. One, MSU is currently Ken Palm forty four, which is perfectly fine for a Power Five conference team, particularly this year, to still get in the tournament at forty four, and that's when we're playing poorly so things could improve from there i'd also point out that yes the big 10 is a slog this season but fewer than half of the remaining games are against ranked opponents so you're here though uh in fairness if you do kempom rankings indiana is an unranked but top 20 uh, okay so right, whatever fair enough uh it, msu either- did lose to them twice last year so. yeah uh, uh, Plum, why don't you read the last All right, question, gentlemen, right? prop bet of the week. Number of fouls called by our bro, Bo Borowski, in the MSU Purdue, Purdue game versus the number of points Garza will have against us this week. He sets the over-under, <laughs> he sets the over-under at 43. Uh, Greg, you first. Uh, I will take the over. <laughs> Jonesy? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take... I'm going to take it. It's got to be the under. If Garza has 43 points against us, we're in doo-doo. Do you know how many fouls he's going to (laughs) get? He's going to get hacked so many times. Oh, my gosh. He's going to go to the – he's going to be living at the line. It's fine. It's fine. We get 60 close-ups of that. Neanderthalic. Can I say that on the pod? Neanderthalic. I want to be on record. (laughs) Horse-like? No, it's going to be under. Has has Garza even scored like 30 points this year? Yes. Yeah, he's he's had monster games. I think he had a 50-point performance. Anyway, it's it's great. It's fun. Uh, Look, it's going to be a... It's going to be an intense sort of weekend. Um, It's been an intense past week, but uh, I think we can agree that we all have different opinions about this team and uh, yet we will all say, go green. Yeah, he's averaging oh, 27. So the answer was go white. Go white. It's all you had to say. Go white, gentlemen. Go get, go fix your trots. <laughs> Stupid. Bye, everyone.